You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Chocolate syrup on top of Granny's banana sundae. Welcome to episode 54 of the motherfucking podcast. This is the official podcast of the rock combo, the international rock combo motherfucking (coughs) ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. Respectively. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Tony Lee. I'm Gordo. Hello. And Gordo. Gordo, hello. We're going to, we're going to, this is going to be a Gordo heavy episode because we're going to. We're going to consult Gordo on some of his expertise as a as a studio engineer and musician and songwriter and and soundophile audiophile and uh, we're going to share some of our experience as being Denver's favorite uh, support band. Always a bridesmaid, <laughs> never a bride. Uh, yeah. That that saying comes to mind when I think of our career. And uh, we're really good at being an opening band. Uh, have been for a very long time. And uh, we're, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And we're going to, we're gonna do a little a- attempt to do a deep dive and demystify to a degree uh, what the difference is between the bands that seem to, uh, the, the, it seems the entire world wants to blow them. And then you're wondering why your Spotify numbers are sitting there barely registering or your next big sound numbers are non-existent or, or really you just feel non-existent and irrelevant and like a tiny little speck of, of nothing doo-doo on the, on the ass of existence. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he's, driving me to, he's driving me to drink. <laughs> yep. No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna have fun. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna talk about some things. Uh, but first, speaking of the ass of existence, uh, I I have been sitting on this, no pun intended, like all week. <laughs> That's right. Because I really wanted to it. share this with you. Um. So, I'm pretty much becoming an uh, like a, a old dad overnight. Like since the since my kid came, like I am one step away from like walking around with my cell phone clipped to my belt, dude. Like, <laughs> like your fanny packs like, and all. Oh, dude. So so my baldness, like my hair loss, just ramped up immediately, right? <laughs> like I'm I'm like going bald ten times as fast. But I also had to go to the ass doctor. Nice. And uh, here it comes. So. So, um, for any of you listening to the podcast who don't want to hear me talk about my ass, uh, I recommend skipping to another episode or just maybe fast forwarding twenty minutes into the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna, I, I was gonna say thirty. <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna spend thirty minutes of the podcast talking about my ass. Oh, no, uh, so but I had to go to the butt doctor. So um, I've I've had uh, I've had hemorrhoids, internal hemorrhoids, for the Forever. past ten years, right? And I finally have health insurance. Thank you, Fire on the Mountain. 
Um, and I finally have health insurance. And since I got the time off, I'm like, I might as well go get them taken care of. So, you know, first of all, it takes forever to find someone who's in your network. And, and it's a big pain in the ass, big to do. But I finally find this doctor. And uh, they, they tell me, they're like, okay, well, just to let you know, uh, we take your insurance, but the hospital, the surgical center in the hospital where we're based doesn't take your insurance. So depending on how the visit goes, um, you know, you might have to go somewhere else or you might have to pay out of pocket if you end up having to have surgery. And I'm like, oh, I'll just, I'll find somewhere else if I have to pay out of pocket for surgery or I'll just, you know, do whatever. So go ahead and not touch go. it at all. That sounds like a that sounds like a, a general bullshitty response that you would get from from a, a medical institution. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, pretty standard. Uh, so I went in and I did the I did the consult and, dude, like first of all they have signs up everywhere that say no phone zone, and I think that has got to be because they've had too many people come in there and try and take video of people with butt stuff happening to them. And I'm sure the internet is just full of like embarrassing exam videos. Because, okay, you know, Cause you that's got, what he was worried about the whole time. Well, I wasn't worried. Tony's going to run in with a phone any minute now. Tony's going to the door. <laughs> um,. You know, okay, you know how you go into the doctor's office and they have, like, the table with, like, the, the faux leather upholstery on it and they pull the paper over the top of it? Oh, yeah. The table at the butt doctor's office is a little different. Shorter. So it's it's a lot shorter. <laughs> it's a lot shorter, and it has, instead of being a flat table or, like, a reclining table, it's, like, the table, it's down around maybe thigh level, and then there's another step down. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, "How do you use this this thing?" He's like, "He's like, go ahead and step up to the table. Go ahead and drop your pants and da 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 da, and step up." And he kind of shows me how it works. And you're supposed to kneel oh, on see. the lower one, it's and then ergonomically correct, lay over the top one. Mm. And now so you're putting genuflect. A, so you're you're putting a lot of trust in this human being, <laughs> first of all. And uh, then he takes another piece of paper. And you know those um, big toilet covers that it's just a piece of paper with a hole punched out? Yeah. Imagine one of those, but like gigantic, <laughs> so that it covers up your whole body except your, your ass. ass. And like, like you could have so much fun with one of those things, <laughs> just like drawing pictures around where the butt goes. The collar of like, the butt? Like, oh, yeah. It's, it, it seriously looks like... Your butt is getting ready to eat a comically large pile of spaghetti in a fancy restaurant. <laughs> like, mmm, oh boy, like tying a napkin around his neck. Like, I'm the feast. Um, so, uh, so he does the exam, which involved uh, fingers up my ass yeah. and, and lube and all that. And, and you know, first of all, Anyone who has anal sex in the world, anybody who has anal sex, my hat goes off to you because this guy put one finger in my ass and it was like, dude, terrifying. It was the most, pa- it was the most painful thing that, I, that I've had happen in a long time. So my hat goes off to you if you're taking entire penises in your butt or, or multiple fingers. He just fingers. watched his wife give birth. Yeah. To an eight pound baby. Right. You know and what? One finger up. Almost the a <laughs> almost a nine pound baby. 
And like, I get one finger up my ass and I'm just like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> they can't. Like, and I need to stay home and just lay in a tub and wash myself all day. Uh, but, but I'm leaning over there and the, the whole thing is just really funny to me. So I'm like, I'm kind of like giggling while I'm talking to him, you know, because it's, I'm bent over and this dude's like looking up my ass. And um, so he goes and in. That's, and that's when the questions come, right? Like about. Oh, yeah. What's, what's been going on with your ass? Oh, no. Hey, he let goes, me tell you something about your ass. And, and like all the, and so you have to actually have a dialogue. Oh, yeah. While this is about, going about on. About my ass. Right. Yeah. And so he goes, he goes, okay. All right. I'm going to feel around a little bit. Okay. All right. Now um, uh, I'm going to take a quick scope in there. You're going to feel a little bit of pressure and lubes up a flashlight. <laughs> and I mean, I can only assume it was a flashlight. Actually, what? because keep in mind, I can't see any of the items that are going in there. Like he could have some big like Dr. Seuss contraption behind like some big thing that folds out of a tiny little box and is like and there's little pumps and pistons and vapors pumping in like he starts well, this looks thing. really interesting do you listen to abba <laughs> he he like it sounds like he's firing like just firing up this machine right so he takes a look and he goes he goes okay all right okay i see what we're working with here and he kind of he gets into my field of vision and he goes so those are pretty big he goes, it might be best if we just sign you up for surgery. He's like, we can do it in a day. It'll be a little bit longer of a, of a recovery time. But he's like, I think we should just do surgery. He goes, if you don't want to do surgery, we can do this banding procedure, but you'll have to do multiple visits. You won't be out of, out of line as long. But basically what we do is we take a tiny rubber band and we put it over the hemorrhoid so that it strangulates it and falls off. Like basically they go in and they murder the hemorrhoids in your ass, right? Nice. So For as um, much pain as they gave, gave you, is that the option you want to go with? Oh, well, t- now here comes the next part is I tell the doctor, keep in mind... I've got a tablecloth around my ass. You have a picnic. Going I'm on, on my, my I'm back. on my knees and I'm like trying to negotiate a conversation. Like I'm trying to have a serious talk with this doctor while I'm bent over a table with my ass hanging out, like freshly glistening with lube, right? And I go, yeah, man, you know, my ins- my insurance doesn't cover your surgical center, so I would have to go somewhere else, and da 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 da, and 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 he's like, oh, okay, well, in that case, we can we can do the banding treatment. You know, it may take three to five procedures. Um, he's like, do you have anything to do today? And like, I had to come down here. <laughs> here it comes. Well, I had to come down here and do stuff for the Nug Nation because we're working on this huge project right now that I don't even think I can really talk about because it's that huge. But um, once it drops, we are definitely going to have a conversation about it on the podcast. So I had to come in here and I like, I had a lot to do that day. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I have some things to do. You went to the doctor today. No, this wasn't today. Okay. This was, I, I had to come over and do voiceover stuff on. Oh, I see, I see, I see. So this, gotcha. I think this was Friday. Gotcha. So, um, so I'm talking to him and I, and, 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 you know, I'm explaining this to him and he goes, okay, well, we'll, if, if you don't mind, he's like, it's probably just going to feel like you need to take a dump. There's going to be a, he didn't say take a dump, you know, but, um. What did he say? Defecate. I, I, th- I th- think he said, go to the bathroom. 
Go to the bathroom is the clinic. Like, you might feel like you need to release. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, dude. Hospitals talk to people like children. Like they say when they talk about your butt, they say they say um, you know go to the bathroom, or 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 if they're talking to a woman about her vagina, they say down there. They don't say your vagina. They don't say anything like that. They go, so are you experiencing a lot of pain down there? Like, so did you experience any tearing down there? Have you experienced a sufficient amount of trauma down there? Like, they say down there, it's like, you're a fucking doctor, dude. Say vagina. <laughs> say perineum. How do I know what... Say anus. What part of the vagina you're referring to, Yeah, sir. down there is a very broad category. There's a whole lot... Most of the stuff is going on down there. The only place on your body where there's more stuff going on is probably your face, right? <laughs> so, so it, or, you know, inside your body. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so I'm talking to this doctor and he goes, okay, we can do the procedure. And like I had long hair for a little bit. It took me longer to tie my hair in a ponytail than it took this guy to shove several apparatuses up my apparat ass. <laughs> Like it, dude. He was so fast. He goes, he goes. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna band one of them today. He's like, you'll feel a little discomfort. Um, it'll take a two to three days for it to to fall off, and then we'll get you back in here in two weeks, and we'll do it again. And so, then I hear an air compressor fire up. <laughs> like, why do you need the air compressor? I'm getting there. Now keep in oh, mind, boy. I have to I have to belabor this point that I cannot see anything that is going on, so I cannot confirm. Like it's like it's like watching fire in the sky, and you know, try having these guys who got abducted by aliens trying to explain what it was like on the alien ship, but like they couldn't really see what was going on because you know they were under hypno rays or paralyzed zappers, whatever aliens have to fucking to immobilize people. Um, and so all I feel is a burst of air, like a burst of compressed air shoot into my asshole, like, and kind of open it up. Nice. And then I feel another tool go in. I hear a little click. Deeper. He pulls out and he goes, okay, great. We'll see you in a couple weeks. That's it? That's it. But... While he's shooting the air up in me, I'm fucking giggling, dude, because there's there's a man blasting air up my ass and, and putting little devices in there. And I just, I, dude, I'm not making this up for comedic effect. I literally, the instant he fired that air into my ass and started putting contraptions in there, I thought of you guys immediately. <laughs> The first thing that popped into my head was my bandmates. And I was just like, I can't wait to tell them about this butt stuff that happened to me. That's some good butt stuff, man. Oh, but but then you get up and you feel what he's talking about. Like it feels like it feels like there's something in your ass. You can't really put your finger on it. This but it tool. feels, it definitely feels like something is, is pulling in there. Like, 
and I got into the car and I, I barely made it here to the Nug Nation. I was like, is this what it's going to feel like If all the I was time? on the other oh side God. of the glass right now, do you know the sound effects that I would be trying to find <laughs> desperately? Air compressor sounds? <laughs> oh, and that's the other thing, too, is when you stand up, you've got to walk and get on an elevator and you've got an ass full of air. And you're just, dude, I mean, I couldn't help it. I was just ripping farts all the way out the door, man. <laughs> now, this is, this is the best part of the story. The doctor's name was Dr. Longscope. Longscope? What? <laughs> His name no. was Dr. Longscope. No, it's, it's too terrible of a joke to be when, made up, though. No, when I called, when I called the uh, when I called I so. the insurance company, and they referred me to this guy, or not when I called the insurance company, when I called the like the the office that refers them out, uh, or he, they were like they're like, uh, actually, there's someone, there's a surgeon that we use for this procedure that you'll want to call. Um, he's located out of Rose Hospital. His name is Doctor Longscope. And in the middle of this woman starting to give me her phone number, I went, wait, 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 wait. Did you say Dr. Longscope? I said, you're telling me this is a gastroenterologist by the name of Dr. Longscope? And she goes, yes, Dr. Longscope. Am That's I in correct. a fucking cartoon? Yeah, dude. <laughs> What's going like, on at Rose Medical Center? <laughs> like, I feel like to work for a gastroenterologist, you have to have the inability to appreciate butt humor. The ass man, dude. I I, I almost feel like you They're have to be like just exhausted from it. You know what I mean? So and, many butt jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many. I mean, just all day long. Well, especially constantly. if you're gonna be called Longscope. I dude, mean, he had you, no if choice. Your name is Smith. It's got to be pretty bad. But if your name is fucking Longscope, if he was gonna be a doctor, he had to pick one end or the other, or he had to be a submarine commander. Yeah. Or he had to be an a, an astronomer from the <laughs> the 1300s. Or he had to be. What are other things that Longscope could be? Uh, he could be a surveyor. He could be a plumber. He could be a. Uh, 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 what else could Doctor Longscope be? That it, he could be Captain Longscope and be a sailor. Captain Longscope sounds pretty bitchin'. Captain Longscope, I can see land further than any man alive. <laughs> The scope was pretty long, by the way. Like, listen, Very I've had finger, I've scope. had I've had fingers in my ass before, but this guy like had he fingers. explored strange new worlds and boldly went where no man has gone before. Hmm. Like, I haven't met the right man yet. I felt that <laughs> in my belly button. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. All right. Well, if you've made it this far in the episode, we're actually going to talk about some real things. Yeah, can we take a break? No, we're not going to take a break. We're going to jump right into we'll it. Take a break after that. Yeah. So we got a few got things pee. that are coming down the line. Oh, you got a pee? Yeah. Okay. I'm fucking out of here. All right, go take a pee, and I'm going to start this conversation with Gordo. <laughs> so first of all, uh, in case you haven't heard, um. Gordo's band Granny Tweed picked up a sweet gig that we were all crossing our fingers and toes they would get. Uh, Granny Tweed is. Are you guys going to be main support, or yes. do they have a band on tour? Granny Tweed is going to be main support for the Dead Milkmen at the Gothic Theater on June first. On June first, yeah. 
As oh. far, yeah, as far as I know, we're we're the only other band on the bill. How did you guys pull? First of all, how did you guys pull that gig down? Just enough people harassed them and were like, "You should put Granny Tweet on this show." Well, actually, uh, Josh Joshua Finley, who who does all of our art. He does um, all of everybody's art. He do, he does he does all of everybody's art. He he does all the art that exists in the city of Denver. Yeah, he he's worked with these guys before, um, and he's done several commissions for them for for Access and AEG and all these entities. Um, and he had kind of a working relationship with these guys, and he's like, hey, you know, uh, I want to do the poster for this show. Right. Here's the poster, and he sent it to them, and they're like, "Great, awesome!" And he's like, "Oh yeah." And by the way, I would love, you know, if our band could play it. And I don't think he really got much of a response from that at all. I don't think he got right anything back really. And um, and so then when I heard about it, like he told me about it, and he's like, "Well, they just they just told me to go to you know submit an email like everybody else does." So that's what I did. Is I I went to their website and submitted an email. That's all I did, literally. What did you say in your email? <clears throat> What did I say in my email? I, I just I just said that we had been fans for a really long time. We've been a band for ten years, and in, during that ten years, we have covered covered them consistently, um, pretty much without pause. Like we used to, we we've covered different songs by them. But um, did you mention that Josh had done the drawing for the poster? Oh yeah, yeah, and they they knew that of course. You know when I was you know and and it was in my, my email was to the Gothic. So right. it was like that's where he was directed to to send an email. So so we did that, and yeah, I basically just said, you know, look, I think we're a good fit stylistically, you know, since um, you know no one takes us that seriously. I think we're the, <laughs> this was one of the lines in the email. I was like, since no one takes us that seriously, I think we're the perfect band. But would you game, want you know? them to? Can you imagine a bunch of people standing around a Granny Tweed show, looking like kids at a hardcore show, <laughs> just taking it very seriously? Well, I've seen people like that before at your I, show. I, I think they were just not enjoying themselves. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so they were taking it very seriously, like cross cross arms, just like this. You know, you, you always go to shows and there's just people just standing there like you know this furrowed brow and yeah. arms crossed and you can never tell you know impress me and yeah you never know because sometimes, sometimes they might just be dour same people. dudes will come up and be like that was the shit. ass yeah you I know? mean you, just, you get those yeah, people that don't know you don't know they have the resting dick face you know what I mean exactly there are those people out there so yeah so what I would like to talk about for for this this first section of the show is I want to talk about what you're planning to do because I think this is an excellent case study. I know a lot of uh, most of our audience is probably people in bands, and you know we promote this a lot on all the on all the uh, the local groups and all the band groups. And by the way, to all those groups who let us post this podcast every week, thank you so much for for letting us do it. That is super Seriously. cool. Yeah, that that's, is really that's cool that cool. they let us do it. Um, like all, all the Colorado and Denver musician boards that we post to. Thank you very much for letting us do that. Um, so I know a lot of our audience is, is people in independent bands who may or may not have gotten this opportunity. And this is going to be probably the biggest show you guys have done, right? Is that is that fair to say? I th it might be. Or at I'm least not the sure. biggest band that you've played with. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that definitely, I think. Yeah. You guys that, have opened that. up for them before, though, right? No, no. We've no, we've not opened up for Dead Milkman ever. Like, when, when I saw that show coming down and I saw that Josh did the poster, I wanted to start a petition to get you guys on that show. I was like, I was like, it either needs to be Granny Tweed, and if Granny Tweed can't do it, it needs to be Dryer Fire. Like, right, right. Like that was the way that I was looking at it. Is yeah, and we lobbied, we lobbied for them to be on the bill as well. Like that was a big part of. That's very cool. Are they on it too? I I don't think so. As of now, they are not. That would be cool. That's very cool. Both Josh and I, yeah, both Josh and I, you know, lobbied for that. That's really cool. because we love Dryer Fire so much, you know, and they're they're my favorite band. From and, and they've County, got such sure. they've got that sense of humor, and they've got that. I mean, like it's just they're an impeccable band. You well, know? and hugely, so. obviously, hugely influenced by the Dead Milkmen yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, kind of what I want to talk about is I want to I want to hear what your plan is for that, and and see if maybe the three of us together can like help brainstorm how you can m- get the most success from that because right. what one thing we've noticed from doing a lot of opening slots is when in the old days when we were do, would do them we kind of just assumed that being uh being on a bigger show would get us in front of more people and therefore that would lead to us getting bigger or it's like that 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 small town girl at the county fair type of thing, you know, who uh, Patton Oswalt makes that joke about the girl in the small town who goes to see Michael Damien at the state fair, and, and <laughs> Michael and, and he's like pulling out the like, Michael Damien. and she's like <laughs> she's like mom Michael Damien's gonna take me out of this town <laughs> like that we're in love like we always kind of had that pipe dream that we were gonna play with a band and they were gonna be like. These guys are pretty good. We're going to take them on our world tour. I'll tell you right now, I have no such illusions. <laughs> I think that we'll get in front of some people that are probably the most likely crowd to enjoy what we do. Um, that's the best thing you can hope for, I think, uh, is to be able to have an opportunity like this. Because, you right. know, any other band, the opportunity to, for you know to open for any other band of their stature would be great. It would be awesome, but but to have it be them, these people that that we all three of us have looked up to and and been admiring since we were in short pants, you know, is pretty amazing. Chance. Yeah, you know, because yeah. like we, you know, we've always been fans, and uh, so so it, I, you know, what I what I estimate will happen is that we'll get in front of some people, and then we'll play a show. Our plan is to not fuck up. And then, to do well, yeah, to do exceptionally well, to, to do what we do is as best as we can, and then you know, hopefully, that'll you know gain a little bit of traction. We're not, we're not, uh, you know, hitching a bunch of hopes. I think, know, I think to the, to, to the show, but we are very excited to play it just for what it is. I think, you know I think I mean? that's great that you're Definitely. going in with measured expectations for sure. And I will say that it was de- definitely a young man's pipe dream that that we had, where we would be like, you know, dude, this could be the show that like changes our trajectory, and da 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 da. Now it's more like, how do we, 
make, make this show the best it can and then use that as leverage to get a better show the next time or like what can we do to max how, how do we, yeah. how, do we make, yes. how do we make the most of it so how, do you make how are you exactly. planning to make the most of this dead milkman show well I think he's, my, gonna, I he's mean, gonna load in earlier <laughs> he's gonna tune I can do that um, he's gonna get new strings yeah but they want you to do it at I'm definitely gonna get new strings I, you know, what I would really, my, my main goal would be to see if Josh would be open to, to not tying his drums on and actually getting his drums fixed for this show. <laughs> that would be my main. Wish in that, one hand, shit in the other, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my main, like, I'd be like, wow, like, that could be, that's that's definitely next level stuff for his drum well, what set. What would you do with all the extra tape and rope? Well, we, we have a place for it. Oh, a drawer. Yeah, we have a place for it. Well, they'd hang themselves with it after the show's over because, I mean... That's it. That's it. You've reached the pinnacle. <laughs> yeah. You've reached the pinnacle. But like I was saying, like, that's that's the thing, is that the, the whole idea of this, of being paired with this band is just, in and of itself, yeah. amazing. It's like, it's, it's, it's something yeah, that none of us ever it, thought we would do. How many emails have I sent? How many people have I talked to? about shows and getting on shows that I've seen coming down the pike and I'm like, oh, you know, I want to open for this band at Larimer, I want to do that, you know, or even before we were all here, like gigs in Kansas that we wanted to do at the theater downtown, you know, at Liberty Hall, it's like, you know, I, I have campaigned relentlessly to get us on shows. Right. You know, you know and, it, and to, to and have this... it actually happen was just, I was just like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> score. So what do you, you know? what do you want this to get for you or allow you to do? Like what, what do you hope to get out of the experience? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know that I really have a whole lot of expectations other than just getting in front of like-minded folks. Yeah. yeah. That's my main that's my main uh focus really. Is well, just it, it sounds like too that it would be great if you were able to get more opportunities like this uh, down the road, right? Right. And like, that because was, you you've know, lobbied so hard yeah. for trying to get on other shows in the past. Sure. So this would certainly give you a little more legitimacy in that way in terms of like, you know, then uh, if you guys perform really well, if you do really well for for the promoter of this show, then they go, "Hey, you guys might also be a great fit for da 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 because they're they're wanting to do the path of least resistance whenever possible." Sure, and have but but that means we have to bands. that means we have to do really well. Well, well, hold which on. Now, hold which on. is a whole other I mean, thing. I mean, you know, come on, we have to be doing really really well. You got to buy the battery for that freeze pedal. One so the the way we the way we please pedal <laughs> now like 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 I mentioned before we it's you know we had this idea of like these bands were going to see us and be so impressed that they would want to take us on the road with them that's the way that we used to look at it and then we got older and what our experience ended up being is first of all most of the time and I mean most of the time they don't even the other band doesn't even watch you it's a rare oh, sure, it's yeah. a rare yeah. occasion the, the, the when bigger... they even see you in the building right it's a yeah. it's a rare occasion that they're even in the building when you're playing you know like there have been i can count the number of times that we have played with a big band and that and someone from that big band watched us play on on one hand and when i say that i mean it's like 
Mickey Fitz from the business saw us play. Or like the guys or, or on the same tour, the guys from Brain Failure saw us play. Um I think maybe he who cannot be named from the dwarves might have seen us play. But other than that Oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, it, it usually doesn't happen. Not only that, this band is doing how many shows a year? Whatever band it is is doing how many shows a year? They've got some local playing with them in every town. See, I remember it the opposite way. I remember the bands that we played with that definitely didn't see us play. Like oh, yeah. Ace Freely definitely did not see us play. And nobody in Ace Freely's band saw us play. Yeah. But his crew did. Oh, that was at the Oriental, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what we've what one one of the big things we've come to learn is the the greatest resource you can mine in those situations is the sheer volume of new people that are there. Sure. And deepening your relationship with the the people who already like you and are coming to that show because they've invested all this time in you and they want to see you do well and they want to be a part of that, right? Right. So Absolutely. a lot of what we've started doing is utilizing those experiences as an opportunity to get as much face time with as many people as we possibly can. And what what has worked the best for us is hanging out at the merch table, talking to everybody, you know, making physical contact with as many people as possible. It, is, the, is the merch table at the Gothic inside or outside the... It's yeah. right at the front entrance. Yeah, it's not in the th- it's not in the theater. You can't see the band and be at the merch table at the same time. Right. Well, it depends. I think if you're, I've been to shows there where like the opening band will have things in the theater, like near the exit or right on the right. right on they the, put you in a different side place. Of the exit. Shit. Yeah, except I'd, for, I'd rather, for Dead Milkmen, they'll probably let you guys stay at the main merch merch table. I'd, um, I'd be, be that'd be cool, I'd, but I'm not expecting that. Really. I, I I think at the Gothic they'll put you at the same dude, merch, I'd rather merch be station in the theater. For that, get you a think, bunch, get a bunch of lights. Well, on because everybody gets if, if you're at that front counter, everybody sees you on the way in, and everybody sees you on the way out, and and there's kind of those key times to catch people. But you also have to make sure you're there, and they need to know that you're there. Yeah, or have somebody be there, or have somebody be there. Well, but that's the thing, though, is remember when 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 we first uh, started taking my dad on tour, and we would be like, oh, that's our excuse to not hang out at the merch table. And we sold less merch. Yeah. But then when we started hitting the table right after we played every night, our, our merch sales usually doubled, sometimes tripled, just because we were there at the table to fucking talk with people. Because he's there in costume. A huge uh, yeah. thing, too, is we've played with a lot. we've played with dudes that are big enough that they do the whole meet and greet, pay to hang out thing. Oh, right. And... I love playing with those guys because they leave a lot of fan love um, untapped. Yeah, on the table. Because if you want to meet Ace Freely and get him to sign something, you got to pay like a hundred, hundred fifty bucks. You want to he meet was doing Zach Wildman. Yeah, you got to pay for it. Touch the horn. Oh baby. yeah, you can meet him, but you got to pay. But when you're the opening band, and and when we played with Ace Freely, no one from his band came out. So we got done playing for this crowd of Ace Freely fans who just wanted to meet a musician that they admire. Yeah. You know, they come with that intention of like seeing a musician that they admire and appreciate. Sure. Yeah. And then that guy doesn't even come out. 
So you get to participate in that. You get to be like, you get to be their consolation band, like we've talked about before, man. <laughs> we've had that happen. Um, you know, the, 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 the truth is... It's totally true. This is where a good chunk of people are going to discover you guys. Right. And, like, there are, we still see people at shows from bigger gigs that we played who became part of the regular rotation following. You know, we have, we see people who saw us with Steel Panther at the Fillmore regularly. We see people who saw us play with Hell's Bells forever regularly. We, it, it's, it's about going in and, and having a great time with those people. And then the, the 10 to 20% of the crowd that really digs you and the one to 2% who would come and see you again and again and again, they're, they're going to be at that show. Right. You know what I mean? So, first of all, do you guys have any new merch planned? Do you have any, like, what yes. are you planning to do for the table? You do have some new we merch have, planned. We have plans for new merch. Sweet. Do you have someone worked yes. out to hang out at the table when you're on stage? Yes. Awesome. Do you have any free shit that you're going to give to people? Sure. Yeah? Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of our stuff is free. Really, if you walk up to the table and ask for something, Gordo will give it to you. Yeah. Give me that shirt. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> that discography sounds real good. Oh. Oh, yeah. uh, everything. You Super Boom? Did. Thank you. No, all of them. There's Super Boom. Oh, you listened, you listened look, to the entire there's, there's discography. There's No Brains. There's, is it self-titled? Well, the whole, the whole discography is pretty short. <laughs> it's, not, it's three albums, isn't it? Brown Town's pretty short. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Four songs. There's a, yeah, the EPs kind of got shorter <laughs> as they were. Got, yeah, I opened the thing yeah. up and I'm looking for like track listing on there, and I realize it's on the CD. Yeah, and I see there's only four on there. Yes. And I was wondering what it, what made you put out four songs on a CD with packaging and everything, just money lying around, just you know. <laughs> <laughs> just did, didn't know what to do. <laughs> Actually, there was there was a good reason behind it, but I can't remember what it is right now. <laughs> well, the, the, and the songs are really good. I, well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. See, they, you know, if they're good enough to stand on their own, <laughs> <laughs> they are Each good one. enough to stand on their own. <laughs> Each one's a leg, and that album makes a table. <laughs> there it is. Like, yeah, I think between the two EPs that we did, it's like it could have been a full album, but there were so many years and you, you didn't know. want to deny people it was material. We we've taken five years to make an album, man. Well, we we're taking five years. Yeah, like it had been a long time <laughs> since we did anything when we did that Brown Town thing, and like, and we and I was actually going to we recorded it at the place where I was doing some audio engineering classes, so. It was kind of my project, like my, right. you know, to, to do a recording. And um, so I got I got Josh in there. We didn't have a bass player at the time. So it was just it was just he and I, essentially. And we just busted out, you know, probably six songs, but only four of them had the right stuff. Well, I mean, it, but you guys put stuff out pretty consistently. Like how? Not how, as not as consistently as I would like. How long has Granny Tweed been around? Uh, about ten years. Ten years. A little more than ten years. Ten years, and you've got four releases or five releases. 
Yeah, we've got, let's see, we got the first one, the EP, the other EP. Yeah, so like four releases, really. So, I mean, yeah. every couple years. Yeah. But uh, the first, like, I don't know, the first five years we were a band, we were barely a band. You know, that's kind of the, the funny part is that... Well, because you guys were doing it long... Were you guys doing it long distance at Yeah, that we point? were each in a different state for the first five years of the band. And you still managed to put <laughs> stuff out every couple of years? That's great. Yeah. That's I mean, it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely was an accomplishment to, to be able to release stuff when we were all living in different parts of the United States of America. I wonder how we're going to, I was, I was thinking about this oh, today. Like, like, are we going to have to send signals from all different places of, of the world someday? Dude, you would be amazed at how much progress you can make by being apart from each other. And then when you come together and you oh. work on stuff and then you, you really maximize yeah. Really maximize the time that you have together because you're like, okay, we got to do this. Got to no do this. No pressure, no diamonds, this. baby. Yeah, and that's no pressure, no diamonds. That's, it. that's that's what we did for like five years is just try and work around each other's schedules. Which album is that? Um, the first two, the self-titled one, and the self-titled one, and look, mom, no, no brains. brains. Yeah. So yeah, like I was in Kansas and uh, dinner was in. Missouri and Josh was in New York and then he was out here. So we were all over the place and, did, uh, did and you managed to do it. How did, how did they send the signals? Because obviously they sent them to you. Did you guys send, send signals? Send, and, send the signals. Well, no, because what you what you can do now is you can just you can just record. You can record pretty much on anything yeah. and just record the raw signal yeah. and then send it to a studio and reamp it. Yeah, I uh, I did a song with that uh, on on uh, the tape. We did a song with Randy. We recorded it in, like we just came up with it on the spot and recorded it in Eau Claire when we were up there okay. on tour. And, the Mousetrap? Uh, yeah, next door to the Mousetrap, uh, Pedals Music. Shout out to Pedals Music. Uh, he has a studio in his basement underneath the shop, and so we just went down there and banged out a song. And then, like, probably a year later, I sent the file to Randy down in Austin, and he recorded, like, three vocal tracks and then sent them to me, and I put them back into the, you know, put them back into the song. And See, I think... The rest is history. <laughs> I think that, away. I think we're going to have to do that a, a lot. The only person... I mean, realistically, the only time we're going to need to go into the studio when you're gone is if we want to, because it's super awesome and fun. Shout out to Evergroove. Um, but, uh, but basically to go in and do the live drum tracking, and That's then important. everyone can do everything else from home. And you can do as many takes of it as you want, and slave to the click. How do you feel about Not that? Not me. How do you? <laughs> no, say, seriously. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about like the idea? Because on one hand, it makes it so you can make a record. Like it makes it so Which, you can keep creating what, stuff. The cl a click in, in, in production. Well, I'm just talking about this idea. You can of, get a drummer that can do it. Of, absolutely do well, it. Well, well, I'm I'm not just saying click. I'm talking about the digitization of music in general, to where you can send a signal and reamp it through an amplifier, and you can record amp sounds without being in the same room and. Like I'm, I'm saying on one hand, it's awesome because you can make music with anybody in the world. It's incredible that we have the technology to do this. 
But on the other hand, there's this purist side of me, and I know both of you are purists to a degree. What? <laughs> I mean, I think I think any I think any musician is a is a purist to a certain degree, right? Yeah. And uh, it's got to be. I just I'm just wondering, like, how you feel about not having that in the room with your amp playing together, like recording it, like where it's this this visceral buckle down in the studio experience right like being able to just send signals from your couch like does that remove from the human intertwining element at all do you think i don't i think it's just it's really just situation based you know it's like what's what's going on is if it's not possible for you to actually physically be there right and I it's think, the choice I between think, doing it or not doing it. Yeah, exactly. If it's if it's between doing it and not doing it, I say do it all day. Send those signals. Put it down the pipeline. Right. Put it up your bunghole. Yeah. <laughs> put it up your get Doctor Long scope. Just to kind of say thematically relevant. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Go ahead and hop up on the table. No, no, no. Other way. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but there's there's things that you can get out of both experiences that you might not get from the other. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, like, re- I'm really looking forward to it. And I uh, so I guess this kind of brings us into the the topic of of your production experience, like some of the ways that you you do things and and the ways that you approach a record that Tony wanted to touch yeah, on today. Man. Um, so what, what has been your experience with long distance collaboration? Like what have you guys done to make it work? What does the studio process look like? Uh, basically I've always just demoed song for Granny Tweed. I have just demoed songs and sent them out to the band mates and said, here's an idea for a song or here's an entire song or whatever it is. And send it to them and have them, you know, just kind of make suggestions or say, that's great, whatever. Don't mess with the formulas. Kind of what our, you know, our, our motto has been for a long time. Don't mess with the formula. Don't mess with it. A lot of time, the formula is just basically do as little as possible and do as much as you can with that. Um, that's good. That's changed. That's changed. Like Since we mean- have Terry in the band now. So it's like, it's a, it's a different, it's a different animal than it used to be. So it did used you to be play, just do like, you play drums? Here's do you play drums? Like, do you go in and lay down drum tracks or do you do it to like... On my own stuff, I do. I was going to say, did you play all the instruments on that record, on your record? Yeah, almost all of them, yeah. Except for, well, there's a couple tracks where there's all sorts of shit what? on there. There's like, Josh is playing drums on a couple things. Oh, okay. But I'm playing drums on the rest of it. I don't know what that album's called, but I know on the front it says, do yourself a fucking favor and listen to this fucking record. Yeah. Or something like that, right? Yeah, that's uh, that I found that inside of a record that my dad from my dad's collection after he died. Like, I was going through his records, and he had a shit ton of records. And I was going through his records. Well, you and, owe it to yourself. And I was just like, yeah, you owe it to yourself to listen to this fucking record. And nice. it's just this thing that he cut out from some magazine sometime, like in the 70s or 80s. It's just something that he had stuck in a, I don't know, I don't even remember what album it was in. I it was it was something that was very kind of antithetical for the message. It was like, I think it was probably some kind of, um, you know, uh, what 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 do they what did they call it back then? Um, urban contemporary. It was urban contemporary album. <laughs> what is yeah. urban contemporary? Do I know what adult it, contemporary it, it basi- is. It's it's just like it's basically just like you know music made by black people. 
Oh, that's urban what they call con- urban uh, contemporary. That's urban what I. That's, contemporary. That me, it just makes me think of Barry White. Or, or like maybe it was black pop or something. I don't know. They're not but allowed like, to call it race music anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lil Nas X. I like the. Uh, <laughs> that shit was so fucking cool, dude. I listened to that did podcast. You, did you, you sent listen me. to it? And dude, after after we publicly announced the thing. The, the Nug Nation thing, which, by the way, that sentence just gave you as a, a clue as to what we're working on over here. Um, if you uh, – I, I definitely want to talk about that because I did listen to that pod podcast. We can, we can circle back around to we'll that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But uh, but I like on the on the cover that you have that written real small, kind of hidden on the cover. Yeah. Now knowing that you just found it by accident in a record. That's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking cool. And so that's all that you played was there's like mandolin. And there's other instruments on there. There's obviously drums, bass, and guitar. Yeah, yeah. There's mandolin on there, and you know, bass, and th- th- there's just I don't know. There's is a that, lot of stuff on. there. Is that there. mostly you or all you? Uh, it's mostly me. There's there's a there's a track that um, Allison Olasa sings and plays accordion on, and I got Chicken Dinner like playing bass on that one. He plays bass on a few tracks on that one, actually, the upright, because I, I am not an upright player. Yeah, that upright's pretty <laughs> sick, man. It's the, just, uh, yeah, it's unforgiving. That, that double slapping, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty... Oh, it's it's, it's a completely different style of percussion style playing. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's it is a fucking bizarro. I mean, bass guitar in any capacity is, is a percussion instrument somewhat, but that album, I mean, that, that instrument particularly takes a whole different skill set to play. Yeah. Um, so... So that's an advantage that you definitely have over over us. Over a is, lot of people. Over a lot of people is Are being able recording to recording in my basement. Well, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> being able to being able to play that's my secret power. Being able to play everything. Oh. Like if I want to communicate an idea to these guys, fortunately there's things like GarageBand and I can just go on my phone yeah. and create something and send it over to the guys, but I can't like sit down and play the drums. And then write a guitar like the way that Tony is going to play it, and it, sure. and do that great of a bass line. No, I can you, just you you put it kind of together and let the other guys. I go their, look at what I made. Yeah, yeah, let them, yeah, let them put their personality on the uh, on your idea. I've definitely laid down some digi drums for for drum parts that I can't do because I'm I'm a very basic drummer. You're a basic so, bitch. I'm a basic bitch. Nice. And so, like, yeah, I definitely just spent time just fucking pushing buttons. A lot of that. A lot of that stuff. But that's just demos, you know, like, that well, no one will works. ever hear. That's the thing. And it works. <laughs> like, thanks to that advent in technology, I can communicate an idea to these guys. We're going to release one yeah. of your demos. We are going to release one of my demos. Sweet. For the, for the actual record. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to remix the Fawn song. And put it on the new record. Right on. And I did that whole thing just on GarageBand Mobile with my phone. Yeah, we started playing it live, and it's it's working out, but really the way he just did it on his fucking phone was, like, just fine. Sometimes the demo is better than what you can do with it. Or it's just, like, a different beast than it ends up being. Especially, you know? especially if you're going for... Cheese dick, '80s montage, dude. And like, <laughs> I've got I've got a Tascam four track cassette recorder at home, yeah. And I never really got around to messing with it as much as I I would now if it if it still worked, right? Like I haven't had I haven't had a power supply for it for 
probably 15 years, and yet I just carry it around it every time I fucking move. <laughs> can't throw it away. But I can't throw it away. <laughs> no. Because there's a part of me that's like, one of these days. Yeah. One of I've, still days, got my, wanna, I've still got my four track, my Fostex. Fostex I've still got that. Yeah. I, I want to go get it like an Elisa's drum machine and run it into that thing and just like a, the Doctor Rhythm. Oh, dude! So is, is a Doctor Rhythm is the first album that is the Granny Tweed uh, first record, the first record that you produced or engineered? No, no, it's no, it's not. So what what happened before all that? Other stuff. <laughs> you don't like Other it. stuff that I won't go into. Okay. There's, I, I've, yeah, I've produced pretty much every band I've been in. I've, I've done stuff. I, I was in a band called Etu Brute for a while that was kind of like when I was in school, and it was just like uh, metal, reggae. All and, right. And, and metal, like, reggae? And like surf. And it was, well, it, it was like every, it was like throwing every possible pile of shit at the wall. I want to hear it. Oh. <laughs> Um, Have you, some of it's no, some of it's some of it's actually good, but like, but yeah, but like, I was really, I was learning through the whole thing. The first Granny Tweed album was something that I, that I kind of co-produced with my buddy Johnny in his basement in Kansas City. It was his studio, hmm. and then it ended up being my studio because he upgraded and he gave me all of his equipment. Tight. And I was like, okay, great. So now I basically have his studio that I recorded all these albums on. So now, yeah, because I did that and an old country death album and some other stuff, and then old country I, death. What's that? That's uh, that's a band I was in concurrently with Granny Tweed the first like five years. What's old country death? Like what kind? What kind of music is it? Scronky tonk. It's scronky like, tonk. Like, uh, you know, just like just really, uh, yeah, just kind of like trying to play honky tonk music, but but in a kind of noisy way. Right. And uh Scronky Tonk. <laughs> That's a good one. Dude, there's a whole you world that's going to Tonk. But there's, you know, but all of it has some kind of element of surf running through it since I'm such a fanatic for that so, shit. So right, right. So there's all yeah, that, that stuff. That show is pretty good on, on all of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's hard to get away from. <laughs> it's hard to get away from. If you're me. Yeah. Well, I mean, That's Tony's been Tony's been playing the same Ted Nugent riff his entire fucking <laughs> true man his entire guitar career playing like fucking five tricks in a row. <laughs> Check it out, ha cha cha. It's all the same shit, dude. Tony, yeah, I don't know. You're you're a very accomplished guitar player. We'll be well, but we'll be Thank jamming you. something at practice, and we'll be like. That's fucking amazing. What is that? And he's like, he's like, oh fuck, I don't know. It's the same fucking riff I've been playing over and over again. <laughs> like, it's just like he's like, are you guys serious? I do like five things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, <laughs> and we're all like, ooh. <laughs> it is funny having the five tricks that I'm in the studio trying to nail, like take after take after take. It's like fuck, I do this all the time. What's wrong with me? <laughs> That's how it goes, though. That's how it goes in the studio is that you just don't, like, even when I'm producing myself and, like, laying down my own shit, like... you have all the time in the world. It'll take... Just this morning, I laid down a vocal and a guitar part for a song on the new album because I just couldn't... I I just couldn't deal with how it sounded. Yeah. Right. You know, it's just like there were just a couple things that were a little bit off, and so I had to go back and redo it. That's got to be so convenient being in your house. It is, but I mean, you can also like you don't want to endlessly fuck with shit. You know what I right. mean? That can be a real that can be a real detrimental thing. <laughs> oh know? yeah, to, to, like 
It, it, you don't want to spend forever on it. I put myself on a on a schedule usually when I'm working on it. It's stuff. hard to end it. Yeah. It's hard to end the it's hard to let an album exist, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because and I don't know if this is universal, but it is certainly my experience. By the time the record is completely done, I'm in love with it for a minute because it's done, and then I hate it for probably two, three years. Yeah. Before before I, I get some distance from it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because the whole time you're going through it, it's like, this is a thing I recorded one, two, three years ago. Yeah. You know, in the time that it is that we've been producing this record and playing gigs and and growing as a person, I've gone in different directions and improved in certain ways and you just can't hear it the way somebody hears it for the first time. Right, right. right. You, yeah. You often wish you can go back and, you know, like listen to something. Is that a universal it. thing or yeah. are there people cuz you hear stories about like somebody hit me over the you head know, right now. You, well, you over the no, no, no. But I mean, <laughs> who is this? You hear stories about these. You hear stories about these bands, like these huge bands from history, and they all seem to say like, "And we just listened to it, and we just, you know, we knew, we knew." I'm like, "Did you? Are you sure you didn't hate it when it was done? Because that's, I, I, I wonder if that's just a, they. They're just like, whatever you do, don't people, don't tell the media that you hated." Your song. We can't we can't have that getting out because if you tell people that you hated your stuff, other people will hate your stuff. So just lie for all eternity and that'll just be a lie that musicians tell forever. I mean, I get it saying something like, you know when you have it. You know what I mean? Like you know when you have a song that song and it's the best you can get it to sound. Like I definitely know what that means. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I've never sat in there and thought This is going, this to, be is a going hit. to make us a million dollars. Tomorrow, I, I have, I have tomorrow. been, I have been sitting in the studio and been like, "This might be the one that does it for us, guys." Like, get that feeling every time, bro. Yeah, we're gonna be millionaires. I just, big I really, pools. I'm really just all about like, I want it to sound. I, I want that idea that was there from the beginning to just come out the way it needed to be heard. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, the way that we all heard it. The way the the best it can possibly sound, the best we can play it, whatever. If we've done our job, then we know it. You know, if we yeah, have anything right. that we're questioning, we're like, no, it's not right. going on there. You, 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 come, know? you come up, you come up with this riff, and then you have this vision for how that riff will mingle with the other, with the rest of the band. Yeah, and you know their personality of how they're probably going to play it. Yeah, and you bring it to them, and then if it sometimes it's train wreck, and you're like, okay, you know, fuck this idea, forget it. Right, right. Just, but then, yeah, a lot of times, or sometimes, or whatever, you know. It all just meshes, and everybody's like very comfortable. And it's like you guys can write the the song is three minutes long, and it took you four minutes to write it. Right. You know, sometimes it's like that. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes your best. Those are, those are beautiful moments. Those are beautiful. But on the other <laughs> hand, then, then there's the other ones where you're sitting there and tweaking little parts, and you know, section A, B, C, whatever. And oh just, yeah. And just going over and over and. Oh yeah, there's songs that it, you can it dies work on for and years. then comes back a yeah. year later. Yep, and then you work on it again, and maybe it's got some new life, and then becomes a song or gets trashed again. Well, that's the the other thing is when you get done with the record and you have to learn it, because <laughs> that's true let's too. be honest, we don't know our fucking record right now. The new record, I, I don't. We don't know it. We probably know half of our last record and probably a third of the record before that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we have like. We have our repertoire of stuff that we tend to lean into. 
Right. You right. know, it like, and I, it's hard not to do that because you've got sound, the songs that you like playing we, well, good. We, we've played them. You like the way that sound they the sound? Well, yeah. yeah, because we keep playing them because we're like. Yeah, we're good at them. Yeah, yeah. And we're finally good at these ones. Don't fuck with it. Don't yeah. mess with a good thing. <laughs> we already but, have songs that we're sick of mm-hmm. that are on the new album that we're not going to, where we decided, like, we're not going to play that for a while. Right? <laughs> not me. <laughs> or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you're like, you're like, God, are we really going to play this live? Yeah. No. Like, are we yeah. really going to try and play it live? Once. And if you were there and you got to see it, you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I keep writing songs as fast as I can. No, it, yeah. it, and that's, that's another thing, too, is like... <laughs> Is I like that we've gone this direction where we're just kind of focusing on on writing more than like we gotta make this the one that's gonna take us straight to the top. No, no, straight no. to the top. I, I like the idea of just having fifty of them that we can choose from. Yeah, yeah. yeah I really like having a deep bench as far as materials. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's just you know you, you have your you have your favorite kids and your not so favorite kids. The thing is, <laughs> thing is you, you get a you get you get a list like that where you have. You Do know. you think our parents sit and have like um, drafts, like they where they make the like the ranking system? They're like they're like okay, the kids are spending the night down the street. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. They break out the board, All right. unveil it. They break out a board and they're like, let's rank the kids. All right, Tony, Damien. Nini, all right, let's talk pros. Tony is a sick fucking guitar player. <laughs> no, probably not. Adrian, Dude, Aaron, the, Adrian, Aaron, I don't, Brian. I don't doubt that there's people that do that at all. I think they probably do it in jest, but they but they <laughs> over do a glass it. of wine. My my my, <laughs> my parents have their their horseshit lines that they feed to us. They're like. Well, you're our favorite oldest son, and Brian is our favorite <laughs> oh, youngest the, son, and Adria is our favorite that's daughter. And I'm like, come on, just just let it out. Who's the favorite? Adria. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I tell you about the master's degrees thing? Oh my god. No. If, if if I already made this joke on a previous podcast, I apologize. But my sister got her second master's degree, and I went to the graduation. She got it from. Um, <laughs> what's what's the Jesuit school Regis? She got it from Regis. Regis and uh, featuring Kathy Lee. And afterwards, I went home and I was just like, God, I'm just <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> slow, Kathy Lee. Slow burn. <laughs> it's awful. Just dad jokes, dude. I just want to. I just want to go slow burn. I just want to make it. I want to make it a project of mine to just submit a diploma into the stack at Regis graduation every year that just says Kathy Lee, just so that yeah. she has to read it every time. <laughs> Kathy Lee, <laughs> and go into a plot form. God, we got to sit through how many of these? So yeah, it's my si- my sister man. got her second master's degree from Regis, and afterwards I went home and I was feeling very touched and sentimental and and I told Sarah I was like, God, can you believe my sister two master's degrees? She goes, Yeah, one for each of her deadbeat brothers. Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I went, so funny. and I went, Ah, <laughs> true. Yeah. Sarah is so funny. Damn. Scathingly funny. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So, yeah, your songs are like your kids, and some are, you like some more than others. So, uh, 
Oh man, something like that. Something like know. that. Some you, of them are you, Tonys and some of them are Aaron's. Were you, you were know, you, were, you, were you ever in a in a band where somebody else was doing the recording, or did you start uh, recording as you were like coming out with records? The first band I recorded was the Goners. It was one of my friends in uh, in Lawrence. Kansas. Are they still around? No, <laughs> they're real gone, baby, real gone. Um, but that was fun. And then we, then he and I, my buddy JJ and I, recorded uh, Mr. Machine, who uh, the average, like, what was the average age of that? Twelve, I think. They were just these kids who's like the parents were punk rockers, and they're just like, you got to form a band, you know. And so like these three kids got together and played these great fucking songs you know really about having a mohawk that were just one minute long you know and just like <laughs> shit like that it was super fucking cool and we were like yes we have to so we we kind of snuck into the music store that we worked in uh, on a weekend and took all our gear in there and recorded it in there because they had a big hall and they had Don't a scratch it, isolated rooms that we could record like everything separately in and so we did that, and huh. I don't know. I, I've got it's yeah. Really cool, man. My history is is peppered with all sorts of little projects that I've recorded for myself or other people. You know, whatever it is, like demos or albums that people have I, I get, tried I, to put out. I guess what. I, <laughs> so what you're I'm like kind of, famous then, right? No. What I'm what I'm kind of wondering is do you like, make a lot of money at that? First, no. <laughs> were you in a band first, or were you behind a recording desk first? Uh, it kind of. It kind of both of those things just kind of grew on their own. I was recording stuff in my bedroom on my own before I was in a band. Okay. The first band I was in, I was in a Christian band. I didn't even know it for like the first six you months. You told I was me that. That's band. yeah. That's right. And you so I remember you telling me that. Yeah, and like so, I didn't really. We didn't have a PA, so I, I didn't really know. And then, and then my I don't know my my best friend who was the vocalist. He was an atheist, but then he like got baptized, and I felt like oh, it's, I just felt super betrayed. And <laughs> things just went down the down the shitter from there. But was it a good Christian rock band? At least I couldn't tell you. Like if it was not okay, did the fact that it was a Christian rock band make it better or worse? I don't think it made it anything. It, 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 <laughs> it was, was it completely was, parallel. It, it was really, it was really just like it was my first band. That's that's what I look at. It. You know what I mean? It was a Christian just band like that did covers of cult songs. So like you know, who knows? I'm pretty sure my first <laughs> my my first first bands we didn't even have songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just like you get together with a bunch of guys and and you're like, oh, let's start a band. And then you just kind of stand around and yell and fuck around on equipment for a while and then never hang out again. Yeah. That's pretty much, yeah. I got or my, play a house party or something. Yeah. I think my first band was The Idolescence. The Idolescence. Yeah, Damon came That's up with great. it. That's what great. What was The Idolescence? Me. Besides uh, besides Carol, Ejaculate. Okay. <laughs> How many different bands have you been in with your brother? He wasn't in the one. He wasn't in that no. one. Oh, okay. That was uh. How many sister, bands have been under my, that my roof at your parents' house? We were like twelve years old, and we played the, the so the assembly at school. And like the year before that, they let me play the Star Spangled Banner, and the only way I knew how to play it was from the <laughs> Hendrix set. Woodstock. <laughs> 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 yes. So, so what? What, what, what grade were you in when you did that? Oh, fourth, fifth, or sixth. Oh, I'll like fucking bet. 
But, uh, the yeah. only thing I knew was Jimi Hendrix yeah, version. They're, they're like, "Can you play it, you know, proper?" I was like, "That sounds no, like I don't. I, I only learned it this way. <laughs> it was like twelve years old." <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> they said, they, they let me play it, and then uh, the next year they they let me have a band up there, but I didn't have a band, so it was like my sister and Carol and John, you know, my best friend since like the first grade, who really did, like Johnny didn't play bass. He didn't play an instrument at all. He just. He got date one of Damien's basses, and I just showed him where to put his fingers. And then his sister was playing piano on it, and and my friend Carol, my best friend Carol, she was uh, playing the other guitar. You know, we played uh, <laughs> two Jimi Hendrix songs. What, what was the other one that you did? <laughs> played Hey Joe and Wild Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's way uh, cooler than our band now. <laughs> That's way cooler than any band I've been in, including the band we're in I'm sure my mom's got a, a tape now. of that somewhere. <laughs> <It's> crazy, <laughs> man. Wild thing. I think I love you. Little 12-year-old. What the fuck is he doing? It's <laughs> terrible. Dude, I the, 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 the first band I ever performed in was called Whiskey Dick. And it was me and a few other guys that, like, really just got together and talked about playing songs and then just kind of just stood in the same room and made noise. And we did that at a house party. I think we got through something that resembled a song. Yeah. And then our drummer stormed off and left. Like, and that was it. Like, that, there was, I don't even think there was actually anything that I would call maybe Louie Louie. Yeah, yeah, maybe something like that. But it it it, yeah, it was terrible. I think that's that a band, way the cooler story. Than that. I think the band the Idolescents only had the two songs for the assembly. I think that was like the band. See, but at least the, you the guys band. were playing gigs, man. <laughs> like you know, you're working, like you're the out there show, doing yeah. it. So, all right, is, is the first album that you ever put out recorded by you? Yes. There you go. That's. I think that's what I was looking for. Yeah. You've been yeah, recording. That's, that's yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we circle back. Talk ba- about we, circling we circle back, back around. Back yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what was that question you asked me an hour ago? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think it had something to do with socks. <laughs> <laughs> You've been twisting knobs for how long? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Yeah, so I've been doing it a really long time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, about uh, time. how about, how about oh, we take a break good. and then you guys play some guitars? We're not taking a fucking break. I found my strain, I found my strain Lord help my brain, I feel no pain So let it rain Turn up the gain and go down the drain All the way to Spain and then we'll rain I found my strain 
train to pain, they say. But I'll go forth into the fray with silver sails and eight ton bales of hay. I found my strain, I found my strain. Lord help my brain, I feel no pain, so let it rain. And I can't abstain, fair maiden Jane. Greater than Dane, drink my champagne, then I'll deplane. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tony Lee. I think I fucked up in there somewhere, but you know you can you can I, fix it in post. <laughs> I think I uh, didn't know that one there, so <laughs> that shit's hella tight. That shit is hella tight. I've heard you play that one at least a handful of times around town, right? That's a yeah, great that, dude. That's a great. I know I've heard it before, but man, like it's a song. Hearing it here in the room with you guys jamming together on it, dude. That is. That's a great song, Gordo. Thank yeah, you, man. That's a great song. He's got a whole fucking bunch of albums full of that shit. It's, it's about, Which album is that? It's on? about uh, that's not released yet. That's an, ex- that's an exclusive. It's about Chocolope. <laughs> I want to give right. a shout out to the Kind Room right now. <laughs> <laughs> kind Room, Chocolope. You is can what it's f- called? you can find Chocolope, which is my favorite strain. The you can you find found. that at the Kind Room on South Broadway. I should I should have the address. Yeah. What's the address? I don't know. <laughs> Chocoloaf? Sorry, we'll ask. Chocoloaf. Chocoloaf. I've chocked a few loafs in my day. <laughs> I'm about to chuck a loaf straight out this bitch. <laughs> straight out my ass. About to chuck a loaf. <laughs> yeah, that one's that one's going to be on Ape Shit Mood Ring. Is that the tweet? A tweed record? That's a tweed. That's a tweed record. It's like uh, I don't know how it goes with ape shit mood ring. Yeah. What color is it? The mood. What? Wait. Did we figure out what color the mood ring is when you're going ape shit? I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's probably like the color of this cat's eyes. It's just. I don't know. It's like let's see. When it's purple, that means I'm sad. (laughs) Okay, it's not purple. Let's see. Oh, when I'm angry, it's red. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's... Yeah, I don't know if we can... You know, Do you know anything about, like, having expletives in your title? You have expletives in your band name, but yeah. you, you got a creative way around it. Yeah. It was... At the time we came up with it, we were like, we were like, yeah, man, motherfucking ruckus. That sounds cool. 
But like we've gotten mixed responses to just the, like the MF abbrevi abbreviation. Like that's like why I did the the emblem and stuff like yeah. that. I, I kind of yeah. felt like we had to feature that. You know? What yeah, I mean? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Here's one I don't need a cheater capo for. <laughs> it's uh, it basically just does the same thing over and over. Again, I'll just sit here. <laughs> So good on these mics, too. <laughs> it's not bad. No, it sounds so good on I these dig mics. It. I dig that fucking Gretsch that, so much. That pig nose didn't work. Oh, I haven't used it in like 10 years anyway, though. Oh, shit. It sounds so good just acoustically, though. It's great. It sounds electromatic without the electro. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tony Lee. <laughs> the Cat Club is proud to present <laughs> Mr. Tony Lee Wilburn. One night only. The guitar brings it out, man. The Copa the, the, is proud to present. It's all the Bixby's fault. Yeah. Mr. Oh, yeah. Mr. Flashy Fingers himself. Mr. Tony Lee. <laughs> the Windy City Madman. The Windy Madden. City Madman himself, <laughs> Mr. Tony Lee. Like to take this time to give a shout out to our sponsors. Yeah. Evergroove Studio, beautiful Evergreen, Colorado, in the Shadow Mountain region. <laughs> Say hi to Brad and Jenny, and they'll leave the light on for you. Our most venerable sponsor, Jerry Matula. <laughs> Matula! Des Plaines, Illinois. He'll wear the booties for you. Angie's List 2011 Super Server Award. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. That's Jerry Matula. <laughs> you tell him the boy sent you. TheNugNation.com. Oh. Go see all the nugs in their crazy wacky adventures. Dad, go and see the damn wacky nugs getting all kinds of shit. Jack. TheNugNation.com. Check it out. Flipside music. All this like good gear and shit. Like Ike's a cool guy and he's got the good shit. Seriously, go see Ike. Go get yourself some badass pedals, badass guitars. All the stuff you want, none of the stuff that you need. Wait. All the stuff you want, none of the stuff that you need. I guess that's true. Because nobody really <laughs> needs all the amazing stuff that there that's there. But, boy, it sure is fun to have it. And it does help you have sex with people, I hear. Flipside music. It'll get you laid. Uh, Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, Rocket Space, the official practice space of motherfucking Ruckus and all the other bands, Rocket Space. You ain't got to cut his shit. And of course, all the patrons, this is one for you guys. What's it? Give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Ain't got time to take no fast train Oh, lonely days are gone I'm coming home My baby, she wrote me a letter Now, I don't care how much I gotta spend I got to find my way back home again Oh, lonely days are gone I'm coming home Baby, she wrote me a letter yeah, I said she wrote me a letter Said she couldn't live without me no more Listen to me, mister I got to get back to my baby once more Anyway, yeah Give me a ticket for an aeroplane Ain't got time to kick no fast train. 
all alone her days are gone I'm coming home my baby she wrote me a letter ladies and gentlemen Mr. Tony Lee woo that's it yeah yeah, yeah. In the summer of 13, buddy, we wear a hat in on that long and lonesome Texas highway. Then our buddy Jeff Creep said, Know a place where you can't sleep, and you said, Won't you come now, how my way? Come on! Oh, 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 oh. Houston, and buddy, it was confusing to see you standing in the doorway in a uniform with a badge and a gun. And you told us, Make yourselves at home. Well, you took in a bunch of guys you didn't even know. Rocking with us at Dan Electros. We caught it all night until the break of dawn. We were going, 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 gone. He's bombs, he's the bomb. Did have to handle better, get your bombs. He's bombs, so hang on. Down like a mastodon and ready to spawn. He's bombs. It takes care of his non Houston, Mexican, but don't you call him Bones? He's Bones, and this is his song. He's Bones, the long third arm of the law. He's Bones. That's cool, man. <laughs> right on. The Fawn song. <laughs> the the Fawn song. song. That's that's only one verse of the Fawn yeah. song. The second verse is, uh, yeah, it talks a lot more about his dick. <laughs> <laughs> that whole song is just about thanks, dude. You're really cool. You have a gigantic dick. <laughs> How does the second verse go? Uh, it goes, uh, yeah. Now here we're standing. Overseeing the land and contemplating our adventures. You got a hand in the band and the gland the ladies demanding the young up to the ones indentures. Nuestra familia y amigo You're the bees and he's the big cheese, the guano And where we get to going, where we gonna go Where we going, 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 gone He spawns, he's the bomb Too high to handle, better get your tongs He spawns, so hang on Slangin' a slogan like a mighty con He's bombs, he abscons with the bombshell browns Redhead brunettes and mean and some of your mouths He's bombs, and this is his song He's bombs, the long third 
say the long third arm of the law? <laughs> the long third arm of the law. The long third arm of the law. That's fucking great. Yeah, man. I went through you, Fonz. Love you, buddy. <laughs> Those fucking lyrics are great. <laughs> I fucking love that shit. Yeah, that was a fun oh one to write. God. That's fucking funny. Yeah. That was a fun one to write. <laughs> shit. Ah, that's good stuff. Oh, shit. Shall we take another break? Get rid of these guitars for a bit? Yeah, take a short break. Short break. I got secondhand smoke high. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. Pretty fun. It's that'll small, happen. It's a Pretty small room. <laughs> it is a small room. Small room. Small room. Small room, big dreams. It's the name of my autobiography. Small room. Andy Senarusa invited me to dreams. a Gordon Ledfoot show. We're doing, we're doing a Granny Tweed show on uh, May 4th, just in a few days, here at Goosetown Tavern. And then on the 5th, we're playing at Bowman's Vinyl and Lounge. Sweet. Acoustically. Cool. Cool. Cool, so cool, we're doing cool. like a little acoustic jam over there, and uh, yeah, is is is, that on is he doing both of those shows? He is doing both of those shows. Oh, cool! Right yeah, like, I think couple a couple people in his band are playing with me on at, at Bowman's and Scooter James. Oh, cool! That'll be a fucking rad show. So it'll be a fun show. Yeah, Bowman's I'm looking forward to it. Man. By the way, Andy Santarusa coming up on the podcast from Like a Rocket and Trigger Itch. And just uh, and Zenazuza and just uh, just a sweet guy, a guy I really have a great deal of affection for. Yes, yeah, he's a cool guy. I've gotten to know him long distance just via text, and and he's a good um, dude, man. You know, and yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to actually, you know, he's a good man making, uh, you know, uh, real time interface. Yeah, <laughs> real time interface. Uh, he's he's a good man, and he's he's <laughs> fucking a robot. He's a hardworking fucking songwriter and performer, dude. Really. He's good at what he does, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what today. So what did we cover this this week? Uh, nothing. Oh, nothing. We went over very important, uh, salient experience. Look, our guest dropped out today. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> That's really all I needed to say. We were leaning hard on the guest thing. <laughs> well. See uh, what happens. See what happens when we don't write the notes. I, uh, See what happens when we do these freewheeling shows. But the I'm really impressed actually with the the list of people that have been on the show and are coming on the show in the future. Yeah, we got really some cool. good you people got, coming you on. You got a good thing going. Yeah, we got uh, uh, Barton, yeah, Barton, Jen McCrory are coming on. We've got uh, Jay Party Lords coming on. Jim Norris is coming on eventually. Andy Santarusa mentioned him. I saw Joshua Finley on Joshua the schedule. Joshua Finley is on the schedule. Muscle Beach is on the schedule. Yeah, yeah. We got some good shows coming up. This one was, you know, it's okay. We're not we got to do it. <laughs> Listen, we got to do this piece of shit every week. We got to fill the time somehow. We could. Uh, I've got advertising. Yeah, it was a lot to of sell. fun, actually. No, it was a lot of fun. Lot of fun. I think we should start doing the jam thing more often. Um. Yeah, there was there How was. We get a band in this room, <laughs> dude. We're gonna we're gonna set the drums up right in this room. Put it's the drummer be... outside that window. 
<laughs> next to the tractors. Yeah, next to the, the tractors will give it a cool next like, tractory sound. I was going to say smell. Sound? <laughs> tractory smell. You want that tractory smell on your record. All right. That's it, what track is short for. Is it a tractory, tractory? Tractory smell on your rectum. I mean, your, I mean your rectum. Sorry, full circle. Full circle, all the way back around. <laughs> to get tractors shoved up, to get protractors shoved up your rectum, make sure to go see uh, Doctor Longscope at Rose Medical Center. <laughs> all right, let's end it on that note. All right. All well, right. hey, big shout out to uh, the amazing people on Patreon.com/slash MFRuckus who make all of this happen, this this album and, and all the work that we're doing and this podcast and just everything that is on its way. Thank you, thank you so much, you guys. You guys are fucking amazing if we haven't told you enough. Let's uh, end it with uh, one of Andy Santarusa's songs. Yeah, let's end it with one of Andy Santarusa's songs. Excellent idea. I'll hit him up after this and, uh, yeah, ask him what we should play. So we're going to close out with some Andy Santarusa here on the motherfucking podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Tony. Gordo. Bye. Bye. Well, I've been thinking lately about a thing or two. I may give you a pair of dice when you need a pair of shoes. You gotta keep on working. You gotta do your job. You gotta pump that hand up, but don't ever touch that knob. Now it's been calibrated to keep your dreams at bay. Well, you better keep your hand down, boy, and pray for the judgment day. Well, you've gotta pound them rocks. You better turn them into sand. Them strangers and shake them babies' hands. You'll elect the politicians and they're gonna tell you what to do. And if you disagree, they're gonna leave you black and blue. And all your sunny days will turn so dark and gray. Will you better keep your hand down, boy, and pray for judgment?
You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Jokes. <laughs> I was just gonna bring Not it around. enough penis talk, I found. <laughs>